And the rest of us, let's open up to Acts chapter 4, verse 18. We're going to continue to work our way through Acts until we get to about chapter 16, and we're going to break off and teach other books as he approaches these different churches. And so this morning, we're still in the foundational parts. He's given, laying a foundation about uh, what happened when the Holy Spirit fell upon the church, what happened when uh, lives like yours, like mine, were radically changed from darkness to light. There was a change. What happened in their church, what happened in their lives, what happened, they were different. Light, darkness, from evil, uh, from, sorry, from darkness to light, from evil to good. I mean, things were happening in this church by the grace of God. And so we're going to continue to read about those things this morning. Uh, I just want to read a short passage of scripture and then uh, we will pray. In Acts chapter 4, verse 18, it says, <clears throat> pause, pause, pause. It says, and then they called them again and again and commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Lord, we ask this morning that you would do this work continually in our hearts, that we would be a people so in love with you, so in awe of you, so in reverent fear of you and respect of you that we couldn't help but respond to you and the grace that you've given us and to shine it to this world. Lord, there's so much opposition to this from within, from around us, from the way the world is set up and the one who rules this world at this moment, Lord, he would have us to be quiet like these religious people told Peter and John. We pray this morning that you would empower us with boldness in every area and give us wisdom, help us to discern the times and discern the spirits around us. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, Acts chapter 4, verse 3, it said they seized Peter and John. And like I talked about last week, isn't that our greatest fear? that we would have disapproval of men, isn't it? Amen, I got an amen. But how many of us fear the disapproval of men? <laughs> Don't we all? Offending someone uh, unnecessarily, just relationships that aren't right, causing a stir, we'd much rather be at peace. And, and truly, that is, I believe, what the Lord would desire for each of us, that we would live these peaceful, quiet lives they wouldn't be uh, antagonistic in any way, right? I mean, it is. The Lord wants us. He commands us. You know, hey, work with your hands, give to others, live at peace with men. And this is what the Lord would have us desire. But there's a problem. We have light in us, and we're in a very dark world. And when we live according to the light, the darkness does not like it. And just as they hated Jesus for it, when we start walking as Jesus walked, they will hate you for it. And it comes out differently in different cultures. It comes out differently in different uh, places within the world. Sometimes it's full-out persecution. Sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's policy. But nevertheless, we're going to experience that resistance to the gospel. But I don't want you, I don't want me to be fearful of verse 3, that they seize them and put them in jail when there's a verse 4. 
We talked about that last week. Praise God for the verse fours. Amen? Acts 4, verse 4. It says, But many who heard the message believed, and a number of men grew to about 5,000. That's what it's about. And sometimes we're so fearful of the verse 3 that we never get to experience verse 4. The people being added to the kingdom through proclaiming and living the gospel. Amen? And so we have people in China who we go, oh man, they're just depressed. They are praying for us that we would actually have boldness in our freedom to speak the gospel. That's, that's a comfort to me and it's also a challenge to me <laughs> that our brothers and sisters who are having to tear pieces of the book of John and hand them secretly to each other within the nation, within their house church and read little passages and pass that to each other are praying for us that we, had, we have boldness in proclaiming the gospel. And so may we have it, but really, truly, Satan's goal is to command you not to speak or to teach in the name of Jesus. Verse 18. That's what these Pharisees did. They, they got them together. They gathered them together and said, we command you no longer to teach or to speak or to preach anything, anything to do with Jesus. Don't do it. And we talked about that last week. You can go to a graduation ceremony and you can talk about anything you want. But you better not mention the name of Jesus Christ. You can have your prayer rug rolled out in the middle of your workplace and pray to the east five times a day without anybody bugging you, but you mention the name of Jesus and you are intolerant and you better look out. Don't mess with Jesus. Don't say anything in his name. And why is that? Because in him alone is the power of salvation in the name of Jesus, in his authority, his power and so memos come from on high. A culture comes from on high that says, be quiet. And you think, okay, well, I want to get along. I don't want to get in trouble. And then everything around you is contrary to the light. And what do you do? What do you do? And brothers and sisters, we are to be people who are led by the Spirit. You know what that means? That when the Lord puts it on your, part, on your heart to say, to speak, to do, to act, it overrules any authority Verse, was it 18 in Matthew 28? All authority has been given to me, Jesus said. Therefore, go. If all authority has been given to him, you now have the absolute backing of the Lord Jesus Christ to share his love wherever and whenever you are when he calls you to do it. Total liberty where the Spirit of the Lord is freedom. Amen? But then what enters into our heart is a bunch of, oh, well, I've got to, and then I can't because, no. When the Spirit speaks, we learn to be a people who go, you know what? You're calling me to be bold. I will share. And we don't fear the first th verse 3 because we know verse 4 is coming. Amen? But Peter and John replied. He said, hey, this should be our reply. Which is right in God's eyes? And we experience this culture or these policies or whatever it might be for you to be quiet and to not speak in the name of Jesus. Our, our response should be just as the disciples. Verse 19, Peter replied, What is right in the eyes of God, to listen to you or to him? What boldness. And this is Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. You judge. Well, obviously to listen to God. And I love what he says. We cannot help but declare Jesus. We can't help it. 
it just flows from who we are, what we've experienced, what we've known. It just flows out of us. Is that happening in, in your life, in my life? I remember sitting at, uh, in construction management early in the morning, 6.30 in the morning, a bunch of guys who'd just been out of jail or all hanging out in this room. We're sitting around talking and and of course, the two things that everybody loves to talk about, politics and religion, come up every single day, and everybody's in disagreement, and it's just a lot of fun with, with that, in that environment, right? And I remember just sitting there, and the Lord often would remind me, there would just be these opportunities just to begin sharing the gospel, and the boldness that the Lord gave me in the midst of this group of guys, and people's hearts would begin to be stirred, and they would hunger, and through that opportunity, I was able to lead a couple people to the Lord. It was just awesome. I mean, what God did. But I tell you what, you know, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? They fire me? They come take away, you know, the opportunity? I, I know that's kind of like, it, it is scary, but I trust the Lord to be working in those circumstances, and it doesn't happen overnight. It's something we have to just step out every time. The Lord says, it. step out and just talk to this one person. Okay. I'll step out. Denise, perfect example. And praise God for his grace. Amen? For He'll go, hey, are you ready now? Are you ready now? Three years later, four years later, are you ready now? I love that. I'm like, okay, Lord, finally, I'm ready to die. And you step out and you speak and you find this amazing door that's open or an opportunity or you find that you're rejected just like you thought you would be, just like Jesus was. And you find comfort in that even. But verse 21 says, After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. Really quickly, who did these guys fear? These Sanhedrin guys. They feared the people. They feared the people, what they thought. That was their conviction. It's just revealed. Verse 22, For the man was miraculously healed. He was over 40 years old. This had been something that's it's a bona fide miracle. There it was. And on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Verse 24, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. After this experience, what did they do? They prayed. They went back and they prayed. They started by going to pray in the temple. Remember, the whole thing started because they were men of prayer. They went to go pray, and then what happened? They met this guy, healed him. And then they become persecuted, they were seized, they were thrown. They, when they were released, what happened? They went back to the home church and they gathered together and they prayed. But notice how they prayed when they experienced persecution, when they experienced opposition. In the midst of difficulties. Take note, how many of you are going through opposition? How many of you are going through difficulties? Anyone? Notice how they prayed. Verse 24, second half of it. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything that is in them. What are they focusing on right off the bat in their prayer? What are they focusing on? What about God? Sovereignty of God. Now, if, you, if some of you have King James or New King James, you'll notice the word sovereign isn't in there right? It's not in there because the context is implying that they're praying to the sovereign God. The word Lord there is, 
what is it? It's, it's despotes. You heard the word despot? It means to have absolute and total authority. The word in Greek there is master. And of course, when someone has absolute and total authority, what happens to us as humans? We get corrupted, right? And so therefore, in our human experience, that word has come to have a bad meaning towards it. But the Lord, he's saying, hey, despot, master, totally in charge of everything, supreme, no, nothing bad. And he, and he puts it in this context, creator of the heavens and the earth. And so therefore, they're, they're recognizing that they're ta- not just talking to anyone, they're saying, you're master, you're Lord, you're God of all of this. You're in control. And who, who calls someone their master? A slave or a servant. Dulos. And so there's this mindset of, I'm your servant. You're my master. I know you're in charge. You created the heavens and the earth. You are in charge of everything. And that's how they start off their prayer, focusing on the sovereignty of God. And at times of persecution, we can rest upon the sovereignty of God. At times when things feel out of control, we can rest upon the sovereignty of God. I love the sovereignty of God. And how many of us try to make it an issue of division in the church? I find it to be something you fully rest in. Thank you, Lord, that you are absolutely in control. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I can rest in that, knowing that even though this seems chaotic, your divine plan is being worked out through the free will of man, as we will see. Sovereign Lord. I love crying out to the Lord like that, especially when I'm in pain or I'm being attacked or I'm finding myself frustrated with the world. Anybody frustrated with the world, feel like I can't change anything? Oh, sovereign Lord. Oh, sovereign God. Secondly, they focused on scripture that centered around what was fitting their circumstances. Verse 25 says, Hey, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And he's quoting Psalm 22 here. Why do the nations rage? I'm in Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and his anointed. And so, focusing on the sovereignty of God, then they move to the scripture that reminds them of the circumstances are put in a context. God knows what's going on. All the nations have gathered together. Pontius Pilate, all the people of Israel came together against the anointed. They could see what was happening in their lives planned out in Scripture. They saw it. They were students of the Word. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so in light of the threats and the fear that Peter and John must have felt coming from that very powerful rulers around them, they chose to get together with believers to the left and right of you, in front and back of you, they chose to get together with believers and to share what had happened and they opened up the scriptures and said, God, what's going on here? And they sought for wisdom in the word and they went to Psalm 2 and they saw what was going on. They knew what was happening. And then they began to focus in prayer on these things. They prayed the scriptures to the Lord and they put what was happening around them in context. How many of you are praying without context? I do all the time. Without the context of God's sovereignty, without the context of where I fit within that, of his plan, what he's called me to, who I am, 
What is happening in their hearts as they're focusing on the sovereignty of God and they see it happening in the scripture? What's happening? What would happen to you when you take your eyes off of what's happening around you and you put it upon who he is and what he said? Faith, friends, faith. They're no, they're, their problem was they were afraid. Rightly so. People are going to want to kill them. They came back they gathered together, brothers and sisters, and they focused on the Lord, his, his powerful presence in their circumstances, and he focused on the word which points to that, and their faith was stirred up. And then what, what happens after that? In verse 27, it's in context. He's saying, Indeed, Herod, Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. And they did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. Whoa, what is that? That even in the things that are difficult, God is at work. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. It was the plan of God from the foundation of the world that Jesus Christ would be slain. Revelations, uh, Revelation 13.8. And it was also, you were chosen in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. Praise the Lord. And again, realizing that God is in control and that nothing happens without God allowing it to happen. And that is hard from our perspective to understand. And there's a lot, a big dialogue we can go into. I don't have time for that at this moment. But now they're focusing upon God's sovereignty, the scriptures. And now finally they give their request in light of that. Verse 29 and 30. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness, to stretch out your hand, to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Okay, you have just experienced life-threatening persecution. Life-threatening persecution. Everybody, what is your prayer? Honestly, come on. Take it away. And how do they pray? Notice the thrust of their prayer. Their prayer was focused on what God had already told them to do and to be. That they would be witnesses. That this is what they were told to be when Jesus promised the Spirit. They had been filled with the Holy Spirit. They had been obedient to Jesus' commands, brothers and sisters. They were obedient. They were following him. They were doing that. They were being witnesses. Wherever they went, to go into all the world, starting in Jerusalem, and there they were in Jerusalem, to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the uh, Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded, to go teach and to convert, to, to baptize, right? To, to pray for these people, to teach them, to build them up. That's what they were doing. Jesus said, all authority, by the way, has been given to me prior to that command. And so they, they knew what the Lord had told them to be and to do. And this is what they were doing. They were being witnesses, and now they experienced opposition to what God said they were to do and to be. They experienced opposition to that being witnesses of Jesus, preaching the gospel, and they experienced this opposition from established religious people, believe it or not. They experienced this later from others. But what was their response? 
Your response, my response, needs to conform to more of these responses. They gathered together with believers immediately and they prayed. In light of the pain and the fear that they were experiencing in their lives, in this opposition, they called out to the Lord. And how did they pray? They focused on the sovereignty of God. If you've not written this down, it's important. They focused on the sovereignty of God. They focused on Scripture, what God said. Now after their faith is being built, now they give their request. They finally give their request in light of that. And the first part of their petition was in verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak. Is this how we pray when pain comes into our lives? When people, when oppositions come to our door, when who we are and to be is challenged by the world and circumstances, is this how we pray? They prayed for God to consider their threats. Notice how much time they spent on the threats. Lord, consider their threats. Moving on. Lord, consider their threats. That takes faith, brothers and sisters. Not to remove them. Not to remove them. They didn't pray that they would be removed. And we're going to talk about why. Basically, that Jesus already told them that they would experience this. To be praying, well, not to remove them, but rather that God would enable them to speak his word with great boldness in the midst of it. In the midst of it, that they would be empowered to live through it victoriously. Anyone going through pain this morning? Suffering, persecution for being salt and light? Lord, take it away. Lord, take it away. Lord, take it away. Lord, take it away. How's that working for you? You know I've been riddled with pain for 18 years or something like that. Not getting better. Have I prayed the prayer, Lord, take it away? And I've been unbiblical going beyond three times asking. (laughs) Daily. Recently. Anyone relate? There's so much here. My first prayer, our first prayer is often remove it, heal me. And I'm not against this, brothers and sisters. I'm not against it. He is our refuge. Why shouldn't we call out to him? Jesus in the garden said three times, Lord, take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. Take it, take it, take it. We can, Jesus can identify with us in our pain, in our suffering, in our fear. Paul, thorn in the flesh, three times, Lord, take it away. Lord, take it away. Lord, take it away. And each time the Lord said, what? My grace is sufficient for me. And the answer was no, as it often is with followers of Jesus Christ. No. No. Then you must not love me. You do not know me. Look at my son.
and I can get in this rut for years and I can become disillusioned with God. Anyone disillusioned with God? If God, then he should. Anybody have those conversations with them? If God is this, then this should happen. Because he does not answer my will. Because he does not answer my will that I become pain-free, persecution-free, hardship-free in this life. We've got a society who's running away from difficulties only to find at the end of that rope there are more compounded difficulties because they, do not, they don't have the character anymore to handle the basics of life. Anyone experienced that? Perhaps some of you are there this morning. Lord, take away the threats. Lord, take away the pain. Lord, take away this person. Lord, let this cup pass. Take this thorn. And the Lord has not answered that prayer. And you have lost hope in the Lord. Because in reality, and I know these words are tough, and I'm speaking to myself, our hopes and our plans have been found to be wrapped up in our will, not his at times. It is my will that I be healed. It is my will that I be pain-free. It is my will that I don't have this opposition in my life. And when God doesn't meet that need, that is a crisis of faith. And I believe that because, and this is very important, and this isn't something I'm just throwing out there lightly. I've, I've gone through this in my own life. This is something speaking out of personal experience, personal opposition to the Lord. And I believe that because we do not know who God has called us to be and are so firmly operating out of our own design for our lives that we do not know how to pray when pain and suffering and opposition and persecution, what have you, come into our lives that is promised for us. You will suffer. And if I'm operating out of my own idea of who God is and what he should be doing, instead of who he declares himself to be, which is found in here, I've got a rude awakening. And because we're living for self, while going to church, we pray and pray for God to remove something that might very well be his will to bless us and make us more like Christ. Increasing our dependency upon the Father. Increasing our dependency upon the Father through suffering, through persecution, through opposition. Satan uses things to tempt us. God can use those same things to test us. What Satan used to draw you away from God, God can use to draw you closer to him. And instead of praying, Lord, take it away for years, and, you know, we, we pray, take it away, and we, we get in this rut, take it away, take it away, take it away, I want deliverance. And we become depressed, and we have to medicate ourselves to no longer deal with it. I'm not saying medication is bad, I'm just saying there's a tendency for escapism because there's no joy, because joy equals freedom from pain. 
That is not biblical joy. That is maybe temporary happiness. We can pray for years, end up depressed, lacking joy, and medicated to cope. But brothers and sisters, we have the blessed opportunity to find out who God has made us to be and to recognize and discern what is truly going on in light of God's calling upon our lives, his sovereignty, his word, and then we can pray accordingly. You see, Peter and John, they knew their God. They knew who he was. They knew what he had called them to be. They knew what they were going to experience in this life. It wasn't fleshed out exactly who would come from or how it happened, but they would know. They would experience pain and suffering and opposition. They knew it. Jesus said, this is what will happen. They were called to make disciples and to be his witnesses by preaching the gospel. This was who they were. This is why they lived. This was everything that they were. It was all wrapped up in Jesus. It was all wrapped up in him. Everything. For the gospel. And God blessed him. Blessed Peter and John. And in this, he filled them with the Holy Spirit in, in respond, and they responding in faith to what God has already revealed to them. And now Peter and the John, they come into something that is threatening that call, that will of God upon their lives. Do you see what's happening? There's a threat to it. To the mission, to the word of God, who they were and what they were to be about. And now that threat, in this case, persecution. So how does Peter respond? He responds in prayer. But again, how does he pray? Does he pray, Lord, take it away? No. Why? Because Jesus already said that that's what would be going on around them. He said, Lord, empower us to do what you've called us to do through it. Through it. Who does that remind you of? Jesus. While he can identify with our pain and say, Lord, take it away, he said, nevertheless, thy will be done. And he rested in it and set his face towards it and went for it. In prayer, they were praying, Lord, make us bolder. Consider the threat, Lord, but can increase our boldness. That is faith. That is how we pray when we are facing these things in our lives. We trust him. And Peter goes into specifics and he asks for opportunities through signs. Verse 30, hey, stretch out your hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant. Now, why did he want those things to happen? Yeah, because the mission was the word. The mission was the gospel. Lord, these signs are to open up people's hearts and minds and verify it so that the word could go forward. Why do we pray for healing? Yeah, we don't like to suffer. Totally, it's very, very practical. Totally, me too. 
Well, what if we pray, Lord, stretch out your hand and heal people so that your word might go forth, so might pray an opportunity. Lord, do something so that your gospel goes forward to give me an opportunity. Different. So in essence, Peter is praying that God would enable him to become bolder, not that God would make it go away. And the reason why Peter could pray this way and not curl up in a ball of despair was because his purpose was clear, his calling was clear, because he knew God and he knew what he said. Those things were all clear to him. He wasn't wrestling with this. He knew him. He'd failed a lot. Anyone? He'd been restored a lot. Anyone? He knew what God had called him to be and to do. Do you know what you're here for? Do you know God? And I'm not talking facetiously. Not knowing about God. Not knowing things about him. But do you know him? Do you know his heart? Do you know his heart for you? Do you know what he's called you to be and to do? That's so important. That is so pivotal. That is at the foundation of being his son, his daughter. You see, Jesus already taught Peter there'd be trouble. It wasn't Peter's desire in purpose in life to escape pain now. Or the trials of life. If so, Peter would have said, take it away and run away. Instead, Peter said, enable us, Lord. They prayed. They all prayed as a church. Enable us through this threat. Enable us. Take care of it, Lord. You consider it, but enable us to do what you've called us to do. If we have a strong, I'm sorry, excuse me, if we have a wrong view of God in our role here as his children, we are going to be some very frustrated, despondent kids of the king. Listen up if we have a wrong view of who God is and who we are as his children here on this earth, we are going to have some very frustrated, depressed people. And I see a lot of this in my own life and the lives of people I serve. If we have a wrong view of God, and we can keep asking, Lord, heal us, or you know, and I do, I pray for people, and it is compassionate to do that, but how many times do we do that? Before we go beyond and say, what else are you doing here, Lord? Okay, it's not going away. We can keep asking the Lord to heal us or to change this person or to remove this. When in actuality, the Lord most times would, ask, would have us ask, like Peter, Lord, enable me to be your witness in this. Lord, enable me to be your witness through this. Lord, enable me to, Lord, enable me, empower me to be like Jesus. Why? Because we are here for the gospel. You are here for your king. You have been bought with a price. You are no longer your own. It's so important that you know today that if you're born again, you're no longer your own. You've been bought with a price. Say it to yourself. Say it to the Lord. I am no longer my own, and I've been bought with a price. You are my master. I am your servant.
And by the way, you've been bought for a purpose, a divine purpose. And that purpose is wrapped up in knowing God and making him known. If that sounds boring to you, change your heart. Go before the Lord, start praying and repent, because that is what it's about, knowing God, making him known. If you're bored now, you're going to be really bored in heaven. If you hate worship now, you're going to hate worship then. Probably not. But you know what I'm saying? Get down in your face and say, something's wrong here. Why don't I have this joy in the midst of this? What's going on? Do I really know you? Do I know what you've called me to? Do I know what you've said? Am I praying amiss? Am I asking wrong? Lord, show me what's going on here. This person is not changing. That circumstance is not changing. These are things, and it's not that I don't have faith that you can't do it, but what's going on? You've said no, or wait, through circumstances. Through, so what do you want to do in me? How do you want to change me to make me more like Jesus now? So it's important that you know today that you know him, not about him and a bunch of facts, but you know him and to make him known. So the question is, do you know him this morning? Do you really know him? Or you know about him? It's the difference. John 17, 3. This is eternal life, to know, to gnosko, to intimately know the one true God in Jesus Christ whom you sent. That is eternal life, to know him. Do you know what his will is for your life? Both to be and to do. We know that because it's found in his word. And you're not going to be praying when that happens all the time to just get me out of this rut. You for years on end, but rather enable me. Let the circumstance, this opposition, this health problem, this financial problem, whatever it is, let it be an opportunity for me to change, to be more like Jesus and to shine. Reveal yourself deeper in and through me in my marriage, in my work, in as a parent. As a, as a son, as a daughter, as a worker, as a representative of whatever in all circumstances. So when you experience opposition to doing and being what God has called you to be, that should be a sign to you to gather together with brothers and sisters, focus on the sovereignty of God, focus on the word, and begin to pray accordingly. Amen? Pray towards that end. Remember, we enjoy the cross when Jesus is on it, but not when we are crucified with him. Everybody likes Jesus on the cross for me, but Jesus says what? Yeah, you are going to be crucified with me. If I die, you die. If I rise again, you rise again. That's how it works. <laughs> Unless the seed falls into the ground, no life comes from it. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in me. So pray towards that end. Might the scriptures challenge you in your prayers to seek him, to know him, to be more like him, that we would not be a people constantly asking for relief from our circumstances only, but for boldness in them, for the sake of the gospel and for the glory of God. And what happened when Peter and the church were praying according to the will of God? What happened when they were praying according to the will of God? 
Verse 31, after they prayed, the place they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Lord, take it away, and the place was shaken. No, nothing happened at that prayer meeting. But when they prayed, in spite of it, make us a people of your word and make us bold and don't let us stop. The threat is be quiet. Lord, let us arise with even more fervor, with even more power, with more boldness to speak your word. And God answered, God empowered, God filled them And the result was they spoke the word of God boldly. boldly, And that is what it's about. The word of God being spoken to this world boldly. Romans 10, 13 through 15. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Yes. Amen, huh? For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This is God's love. How is God's love supposed to be given to the world? Shown through the world. I'm here to equip you to go do it. Did you know that? My role is to encourage you and to equip you to go do the work of the ministry. You are the boots on the ground. You, not me. I'm here to serve you so that you, God's precious servants, would be empowered to go. Romans 10, 13 through 15 says, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Yes. But how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? That's not pulpit preaching. That's life preaching, one-on-one, circumstance, in your home, at your work. The kids. How can they know unless someone preaches to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This is not just for missionaries. This is not just for pastors and evangelists. This is for you. You are the sent ones. You. Jesus said, I all authority I have, go. Go where? where you are, where I've sent you, and you're Jerusalem, you're Judea, you're Samaria, wherever you go, be my witness. Share. And don't worry about the threats. Don't worry about the persecution. Don't worry about those things. Throw them to me. Consider them. Keep your eyes on me, your sovereign Lord, who will lead you from the beginning and the end. Have your heart fixed on the providence of God, that he's leading and guiding you. This is the mission of the church. The church is not a building. It is not Christ Community Fellowship. It is the people of Christ Community Fellowship. It is you. You are the church. Say it. I am the church. We are the church. And your mission is clear. The Lord has given it. But how? When we don't know what to say or who he is or what the gospel is or what the message is, are we even to go? And that should cause us to dig and to cry and say, Lord, who am I? Who am I? Who are you? What am I to say? Where am I to go? And this is where the gifts in the church come. This is where people who are teachers teach. This is where 
prophets prophesy. This is where the encourages encourage. You know what I'm saying? Without barking and clucking weirdness. What do I do? Well, let's pray. This is love to give the invitation of deliverance to all. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for these verses and we ask um, Lord, there's probably some here this morning who've been sitting for a while and Lord, I feel like a kid so much not knowing about you sometimes and we're always growing in our knowledge of you we're always we're somewhere along the road of going home but there comes a time in our lives where we've been walking with you for a while and we know how to go to church we know how to say the words and do the things but at the core of who we are we really are unsure of who you are and what you've called us to do. So God, would you encourage that son or daughter this morning that it's not over or hopeless that you are right here willing to pick them up and show them who you are right now, all afresh, all anew. And if that's you this morning, I just want you to put your hand up and down. And I'm just going to pray for you. No public announcement. If that's you saying, Lord, I don't know who you are, but I want to know you more. That's me this morning. If that's you, pop your hand up and down. It's just going to help your heart is what it's going to do. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you guys. Anyone else? God bless you. God is so good. He loves you. That is unchangeable. And it's not based upon your works. Rest in it. He loves you. And right now, from this day forward, he's calling you to be his disciple. To say, I don't know. Just like Peter. Peter thought he knew it all. He thought he could follow him to the cross, and he couldn't. He found out that he didn't have it in him. But the Lord changed him and made him by his grace, and he's changing and making each of you into a further witness of Jesus Christ. Walk in that grace and be encouraged this morning. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for this opportunity of your word. We pray that we would walk out of here with just a dependency upon you and a reality that we need you so much. And so empower us, Lord, through the circumstances, through the, tri the trials, to be more like your son. And God, if you desire and it's your will that we suffer in this life like your son suffered, then so be it. But we pray in the midst of it that you would get maximum glory and maximum opportunities and maximum just dependency upon you. And we pray that many, many, many would come to know you through our suffering, through our, the positions we are in in this world. 
In the name of Jesus, amen.